I recently ran an online retreat, which was mainly focusing on how can we actually experience this oneness? How can we experience our individuality? But as part of that retreat, I started off by explaining uh, the general essence of individualism. And lots of people said how much they enjoyed it and that I should make it public. So that's what I'm going to do. This is my introduction to individualism from my recent online retreat. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. So what I think I'm going to do to start us off uh, is I'm aware that there's a, we have a few people, there are people here who are really familiar with what I've been doing for a long time, uh, like a long time. And then there's people who aren't at all, who've been invited along by somebody else um, because they might be of interest. So that gives me the opportunity to do what is always feels actually, ironically, uh, probably the most important thing, which is to go to the essence. Because it always feels that we can just get completely clear about what the essence of the thing we're exploring is. It's that thing with the attention. Um, I'm just going to, it's going to be a bit chilly in my office. I'm just going to put my jumper on so I'm comfortable. Bear with me. It's like when we, when we did the meditation and I said, I always notice that when I pay attention to anything, like the breath, it changes. It's suddenly vivid. Like as I'm putting this on, I'm aware of the texture of the jumper. And if I focus in on that, it's like, whoa. And that's because the attention, you know, that's what consciousness is. It's paying attention. And when you pay attention, it changes. But it's not just to sensations. It's also true with ideas, questions, feelings, good feelings and bad ones. It's like when we use the attention, it brings it to life and we can see, and we can see what it is. So I'm going to do that with some ideas to begin with. What I'm exploring and what I have to share with you to see if it's of interest, if it works for you, is where I have ended up in my exploration of this thing called spirituality. And I've been doing it since I was very, very young. And the journey has been a strange one. And it's changed a lot. Um, I think it's got deeper. And I'm certainly not in the same place as when I started. So I just want to make clear the, the nature of this new approach to spirituality, which I'm finding of value and sharing with the ICU. And one of the central points of it is, it is it looks at awakening in quite a different way to the way in which it's looked at by many people in our culture. And that's because most people, many people in our culture have been profoundly influenced by Indian ideas. I was amongst others. And there's a kind of assumption that this experience of awakening, which people have all over the world, not just in India, um, that that's the interpretation. It's not an interpretation, that's the interpretation. So the picture which is often given is that there's a, a state of enlightenment, sometimes called, or moksha or freedom or something, where you find a state and, and if you have arrived, you're in it for good, you're always in that state and you're kind of free and you've got away from the suffering 
of being human. And this comes, as we were discussing in the ICU a couple of weeks ago, I think from a period in human history, about 2,500 years ago, called the Axel Age, where these ideas started to arise for the first time. And they were really groundbreaking ideas. You see them in Buddhism. Life is dukkha, which means suffering, or it's, it's, it's um, unsatisfactory. You know, and if you think your life under satisfactory, imagine what it was like 2,500 years ago when most of your children would die and just have a toothache. There was nothing you could do. You know, it's like we're facing unsatisfactory, you know, as, as understatement. And not surprisingly, they discovered you could actually enter into these deep states and leave it behind. But what it required at that time was to leave the individual behind, to take your attention. To something so abstract that you ceased to be in your own attention. Your attention could go to such a deep place that you were aware of the void. And the, the word most people associate with enlightenment is the, the Hindi word, uh, Sanskrit word nirvana or nibbana. And it's, it means extinguishing. You're actually extinguishing the self. Um, and that obviously became available to human beings at a certain point in their history uh, and made a big impression. But that was a long time ago. And what I want to suggest is that we, that everything is evolving. Everything is evolving and spirituality needs to as well. And what we require now is something quite different. It's something which actually doesn't reject our humanity, but utterly embraces it. And we let go of this idea that there's some arriving in some special place uh, where everything is always, you know, you're always happy. You're always giggling like the Dalai Lama, because you know what? He's not always giggling. And having met quite a few enlightened people, most of them are not what you expect. Turns out people are people. And I think it's time to embrace that. So when I talk about awakening, it's not like that at all. It's not awakening away from this. And actually it explains my own experiences that I've been having since I was very young much better. Because, you know, I kind of tried to force them into that traditional mold and it never quite worked. Or it worked insofar as I could just go, well, I'm inadequate because I haven't reached this exalted state that I fantasize somebody has until I meet them. So what I'm talking about is something quite different, which is this. We now understand that this thing we're in, the universe is a process. And it's important to realize how new this is not the idea of it's a process that goes back to Heraclitus and loads of old philosophers, but the idea that it's an evolutionary process that the, 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 the universe itself has evolved. We've, we've really only been exploring that for about a hundred years. And since we've been exploring, it's really made sense of things in a phenomenal way. It's been one of the, it's, I think it's probably the central idea. I think it is definitely actually the central idea in the whole of science because it holds all the other ideas within it. It goes, everything's evolving. 
and I look at what's happening to me now, and I go, yeah, what do I see? Well, what I see is a process, don't you? I see a process unfolding. That's what experience is. And what science is saying is, look, that process has been unfolding one way or another for about 14 billion years in this particular universe. And it's got us from the simplest things you can possibly imagine to this. You know, the joke that, that, that Brian Swim tells, and I always love it because it's so, so evocative, is, you know, look, what have we learned? We've learned if you take hydrogen and you wait long enough, it learns to sing opera or do maths or play rock and roll or run online Zoom retreats. That's just phenomenal. That's what we're in. And along the way, we've seen this development from pre-physics. We now know that you know, matter is not the base of the universe. There's something before matter, probability waves, something informational, mathematical even, which is becoming matter as we perceive it, which becomes life, which becomes psyche. So that's the basic story we have of the universe. You know, every culture has a story. That's ours. If we were sitting around 3,000 years ago somewhere, or maybe in the Amazon jungle today, we'd be getting a different story, something to do with mythological animals and the great cosmic egg giving birth to something. Or... But this is ours. And it's even more amazing and it's even more amazing because it allows us to understand so much as well. And then there's this experience of awakening. And what I think is happening is that, well, let me just, uh, let me just, let me just do something. Let me just step out from that a moment and just do something else. And then we'll come back to that story. When I approach, you know, I think Ellen mentioned my book, Lucid Living. It's an old book now. Things have moved on, but essentially I'm doing the same thing. And what I was doing in that book was going, look at what's happening now. So look what is happening now for you. Because that's what we need to understand. What is given to us? is experience and it's up to us to make sense of that and there's a million ways of trying to make sense of experience but here's the one i'm sharing the first thing is to get that that what exists is experience that's what exists william james said that the founder of psychology whatever it was 150 years ago what exists is experience well it's just a statement of the fact isn't it look what exists is this this flow of experience. Can you get that? Can you just get there's a flow of experience? That's what exists. It's kind of interesting when you get it. Kind of obvious, but, in, but kind of miss it. So there's a flow of experience. And then, well, what is it? How do you interpret that? Well, here's one simple way to experiment with. 
when I look at what's happening now, it, it goes, well, this flow of experience seems to be the relationship between me and the world. That's the most common sense understanding of it, so maybe it's right. Have a look for you. What exists seems to be my relationship with the world. That's what exists here. And I'm guessing what exists for you is your relationship with the world. And if we just focus for a moment just on the sensory experience, I could say, look, it looks like this body is having an experience of relationship with the universe. And that's what exists. So maybe that is what exists. Maybe what exists is this relationship between the observer and the observed. But here's the little interesting twist. When I look at the, my experience right now, Tim is also part of the world. I'm in it. I'm integral to it. I can't exist separately from it. I'm, I'm embedded within it. So, so my, my hypothesis, just by looking at the moment, is that there is this, the world, the universe, the oneness of all things, is in relationship with itself through me. And that's what exists. And not just through me, I'm guessing, but through everyone else and everything else in the universe. And that, I would say now, is the foundational thought for me. Very simple and very deep. The oneness is in relationship with itself. So the one is two. Like Lao Tzu said in the Tao Te Ching, with yin and yang. The one is two. That's the mystery. The one is in relationship with itself. I am that one. I am the universe. What else could I be? I'm Tim. I'm just Tim. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, this is not some grand, I am the universe. It's like, no, no, no. This is just Tim. This is just a guy who got brought up by lovely parents who were hairdressers in a little town down the road and has done his best to met, you know, get through, got lucky with a gorgeous wife and, and has done, you know, done all right. But also, I am the universe. Because, and I mean this literally, what the hell else could I be? What, what else could I be? <laughs> it's like, there's the universe and this other thing called Tim. Well, that's kind of nuts. I've come from the universe. I have to eat the universe to stay here. My body's made of the universe. My, my, even my thoughts are of the universe. I'm the universe. And so are you. It's kind. It's It doesn't feel any longer like, oh, wow. It's like, yeah, look, that's obvious, isn't it? And the universe is a one. It's a whole. It's also all of the parts. But it's a whole. It's the universe. There's a universe, but the universe, which is everything, is in relationship with itself through everything. And the relationship that it has is dependent on the nature of the thing. 
it's going to be a different for a bat or the plant behind me or a molecule. But everything is the universe in relationship with itself through some form of individuality. And here we are. And as far as we know, in this corner of the universe, this experience we're having of psyche, of being conscious, of being able to ask these questions, is the leading edge of that 14 billion year process of evolution. So we are the universe saying to itself, what am I? Do I have a purpose? Am I good? Am I going somewhere? Do I matter? We're the universe doing that. Other things aren't. They're doing something else. We're doing that. So the key thing which I'm exploring here is that what exists is the, the experience of the universe in a certain form relating to itself in all the other forms. And what it sees, in our case, it will depend on our eyes, you know, like I need these to help me focus, our ears, but also our thoughts. Because you think in certain ways, it reveals something you didn't see before, doesn't it? And if you get caught up in a certain way of thinking, it can stop you seeing things. So the key thought here is, look, the one in relationship with itself. Now, what that does is it says, look, the individual is not in the way. The individual is the means through which there's the relationship. And the deeper, the wiser, the clearer, whatever word I don't know, that individual is, the more the universe can have a deeper relationship with itself. And what is it to have a deeper relationship with itself? It means deeper experience. Because this flow of experience, what exists, is the relationship of the universe with itself through you and me. That's what experience is. And it's happening every moment. Every moment. And then because of the nature, you know, this is how important how we think is. You know, thinking, again, well, another thing it does is it goes, like, thinking is not the problem. If you want to get to the emptiness, thinking's in the way. Why? Because everything is in the way. Because you want the emptiness. Well, I'm actually, I actually quite enjoy going to the emptiness. I'm not knocking it. I don't have a problem with people that enjoy the emptiness. But just personally, I don't think it's it. I don't think the purpose of the universe is to get rid of the universe. I don't think the purpose of you is to get rid of you. I think it's actually much richer and kinder. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe it made sense 2000 years ago. It doesn't make sense to me now. So what I'm suggesting is the opposite, which is as we mature, as we learn to see through ideas in a deeper way, our experience becomes deeper. 
as we learn to take our attention and explore the nature of reality in more interesting ways, the relationship, which is experience, becomes deeper. So back to that story now. So one of the things which, again, which I can look at at the moment, and I go, okay, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing all these different things. You know, listening is very different to looking, for instance, isn't it? It's quite different. So you're perceiving in these quite different ways. But what have they got in common? What is, what is the way that you're perceiving the world, even thinking? What has it all got in common? And I think what it's got in common is, is it's all information. Right? It's a term which is, you know, it's a very much we're in the information age. It's the term of the moment. So let's embrace it. You know, we've just discovered, we're discovering with these very computers that we're using that you can take somebody's face and digitize it, put it into information and recreate it on a screen. That's amazing. And, and someone's voice. Everything is information. And information here just means the differentiation of things. And in computer terms, it's literally one and zero, isn't it? A bit. And in physics, we have this love John Wheeler, the, the, the physicist, was he launched kind of f f this idea in physics that the, 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 the fundamental thing in the universe isn't matter, it's information. It's bits of information. Now, that doesn't mean we're living in the matrix. It doesn't mean this is no more than a computer. What it means is this richness, which is real, which is my, my interrelationship with the universe, which feels tangible and I can taste it and I can smell it and I can stroke it and it's, it's real, is a very, very evolved form of information which at its lower levels isn't like that at all. And it's famously, you know, disappears into kind of nothing. But on this level, it's something. Hurrah. So this is information evolving. And I'm an information system, an intelligent system in relationship with all this other information. And so the more sophisticated that information becomes, both with the body and the senses, but also with how I can understand or appreciate. Like I'm going to play music later. The facility to listen to a sound which somebody has crafted for us to have a sublime aesthetic effect on the soul. That's a very, very emergent form of reality. <laughs> So we're evolving information. We're evolving qualities. What's the most basic quality? What's the, what's the baseline? If this is all evolving, what is it that everything has got in common as well as being information? What, what's the, what's the, what is it that the information is informing? And the word which I've been using is being it's an old word that the greek philosophers used to use and it's really just a statement it's all it's actually a statement of not only the obvious but it's a kind of a tautology but it's interesting 
because what it's really going is going, well, look, if I look around me, what's the one thing which, you know, the house in front of me, the sky, the stars, my computer, my thoughts, you, what, what, you know, what's it all got in common? It exists. That's the one thing it's all got in common. Otherwise, it's all very different. All, it has so many different qualities. But it exists. There's something there. In, in the Chinese philosophy I mentioned earlier with Lao Tzu, he talks in, in the Tao Te Ching, he has the Tao and the Day. The Tao and the Te. Which is the same thing, being. But being in this flow of Te is the qualities. The qualities of being. And so that so there is a there is a there is like like in physics you know i'm jumping around here because i know different people will coming from different backgrounds and we'll pick it up in different ways but here's another way of getting that which is in in physics and another big jump that we had quite recently a few decades ago when we started moving away from there being little things you know we had the idea that oh big things are made up of little things until little things just dissolved and it's like oh what, what that what, what is there and at the moment we have the idea that there are fields and that basic particles are waves in fields now here's the thing here's the paralogical thing about that idea so so particles are information in a field one field 15 different fields but each one is like all these particles they're all the same thing really but a field is defined as something which contains information and information is something which is in a field and they exist together and it feels a bit like that with being that there is this quality of being and it has no form it has no qualities other than existing. And yet it's the potential to take on all of these qualities. That's what it is. So you can become everything. It is becoming everything. So you could say being is in the process of becoming. Again, that's an ancient idea from the Greeks, but it still holds true. Being has been in this process of becoming for 14 billion years for our universe. And it's taking on ever, ever more emergent qualities. Something formless, something timeless, something which is pure potential. Aristotle, Aristotle called it potentia. That's where we get the word from. It's the potential for everything. I mean, again, Brian Swim, my friend Brian Swim, who I loved a bit, said in one of his books, which really made a big impression on me decades ago, he said, what could we say existed before the Big Bang? Well, we can say it was the potential for everything that came afterwards. And I don't think you can argue with that. It's like it was the potential for rock and roll and opera and us having this conversation. And World War II and the Holocaust and Henry II and the pyramids. Everything. The coronavirus. Because every, that's what's come from it. Now, I'm not saying it was there, there was lots of little potentials hanging around. More, I always think of it like, you know, I, I, I have some blue tack in my office. And sometimes when I'm thinking, I just kind of make shapes unconsciously with it while I'm thinking. Now, those shapes aren't in it. 
it's not got the potential to be a pyramid, but you can form a pyramid from it. It hasn't got the potential to be a cube, but you can form a cube from it. There's something which can become everything. I think it's a beautiful idea, actually, that the ground of what this is that we're in is the potential for everything. That kind of resonates somewhere in me. When I first started thinking that thought, it was the first time ever that I thought that it felt like that kind of that makes sense. Why does that make sense? This is the you know the potent. This is the potential for everything. Realizing its possibilities in this universe and who knows what else. So back to that story. What I think is happening as we awaken is that we are becoming conscious of that ground of being, that formless, timeless potentiality. That's what's happening. And when human beings first started to do that, what they needed to do was withdraw from everything else and just put their attention on that. And that's why we ended up with these philosophies of enlightenment to get away from life, away from your humanity, away from bodies, away from sex, away from pleasure, away from everything that made you human, emotion, attachments. But that wasn't it. That was a phase of it. It's still, it was still, still developing. And what is becoming conscious through us now is oh hang on that field of being is everything and when we recognize it we are seeing a deeper level of who we are and and my way of describing that which i've tried to do is with this idea of a univigil that we're evolving from individuals, that the universe has evolved us in ever greater individuality. That's true in both nature. It becomes more and more and more and more and more individual, more and more particular. And as it does, it's because it's becoming more and more differentiated as, a, as an information or intelligence system. And then because of that, it becomes more conscious of the world around it. And then with culture, we've done that. You know, you're here because you think for yourself. You can't have been brought up in this way of thinking because it didn't exist. But you have individuated to the place where you've come to this. Lots of other people are still just believe what they were told when they were kids. They haven't even got around to questioning it yet. But many, 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 many more people have done that. And it's, it's not easy. As people have testified on this call, when you do it, it's hard. It's scary. Because suddenly you don't know what the world is. So that's the waking up from your past. And then there's the waking up to when you get glimpses of the oneness of being. That although everything is unique and different and separate and individual, there's a field which holds everything within it and it's one. And you become a uni-vigil. And what is happening right now is we are evolving into uni-vigils. We are becoming individuals conscious of oneness, not by getting rid of the individual, but actually through the individual, by the individual becoming more spiritually mature. 
and we can hold together our understanding of science and spirituality into this one narrative which is leading us to wake up to being the universe but not in some grandiose way in which you're kind of i'm an enlightened being who's the universe it's like no i'm just tim i really am just tim and i'm not happy all the time and i don't expect to be because I'm on an evolutionary journey and I go in and out and different things happen and some days are good and some days aren't and then really terrible things happen and you have to live with that and make find your way through and that's what maturing is. But underneath it, what's growing is something. And, and the way that I've talked about it recently, you know, those of you that have known me for, for years, I know I've talked about like the big love. One Love is how the oneness feels. But a phrase which I really like now, and I'm using more, is that what arises is a, is a universal benevolence. A universal benevolence, which means when I see that I'm one with everything, I wish everything well and everyone well. And what I see is that whilst that deep awake state of, <gasps> The wow, that comes and goes. It's right there. We can do it this weekend, for sure. But it comes and goes, like everything. And that huge love, that comes and goes. But the universal benevolence, in my experience, stays. Even when I'm pissed off. Even when I'm like, that person or someone on the TV or... I don't know, don't get to see anyone these days, but you know, when you used to and they would piss you off. Underneath, there's this universal benevolence. And I think there are many, many, many more people who experience that than we think. I think there's a large number, not a majority, but a large number of people who experience that. So I want to open that up because, you know, when Karen says, and it was deep, you know, like, I still feel like I'm definitely this separate individual. It feels like, yeah, but look underneath and see whether that universal benevolence is arising. Because that's the route through. That's the thing which links you to everything. So with my approach to awakening, and we're going to do something with this now, the individual is the ground. I celebrate you. Absolutely, in your uniqueness. You will come to this in your absolutely individual way. I offer you my individual way in the hope that bits of it will be useful. Maybe a lot of it, who knows, will be useful to you. But it will be your way. And you will experience it differently to me because you're you. You're you. <laughs> and you've got your own, you are the universe as you. If the universe could do just with me, I would be just me, I guess, but they can't. It needs 7 billion of us and every all the other forms as well. So what I'm trying to say is, look, let's forget the idea there's some bar that was set by Gautama Buddha 2,500 years ago, which we none of us live up to. Let's, let's leave that behind now. And let's just go, hey, we are the universe. We're at the cutting edge of, of it happening. Why? Because the cutting edge is now. That's the cutting edge. It's now. So we're always there. That's where the next thing is happening. And what's happening is this flow of experience. The flow of experience is the, is, the, is the one in relationship to itself through an individual. So 
we are the universe exploring that and you will be exploring it in your own unique way there's nothing to live up to but there is something exciting to discover and what there is to discover from what i've seen is that not only are you this individual but you're the whole thing and when you get that there's this oneness there's this love there's this universal benevolence and then that feeds back into the individual's relationship and the whole thing moves on in a really deep way <laughs>